Hey, what's going on there, podcast land? Matthew Johnson here with another episode of Dementia in Black and White. And so today we want to talk about 10 tips, 10 tips for family caregivers just to keep that on the front of your mind because that's important to always end the show with talking about how important that is. And so why not have a show just dedicated to that? 10 tips for caregivers coming up next on Dementia in Black and White. All right. All righty then. Let's go ahead and get into this. Let me source this information where I am coming from today. Caregiver Action Network. Their website is caregiveraction.org. Caregiveraction.org. And this is just a flyer article. I don't know how to call it, but it's on their website. And it's 10 steps, or sorry, 10 tips for family caregivers. And so what I'd like to do is just to go through these 10 tips just to provide the information. Of course, you come back to their website. They have other information in terms of resources that might be available in your area, things to do, places for you to share your own stories. Just looks like a a wonderful website. Of course, I'm always out here looking on Google University to find different things that will help support me. And just as I come across something interesting, I'll come on here and then share that with you so that, you know, I can be a conduit for this information. So the 10 steps are these. And I'll, of course, elaborate on things as I uh, see that I can seek support from other caregivers. Uh, I can see that being very important. So if you know of any care group, caregiver support groups, I've only been to one such meeting and still looking to see if I can find one that, you know, will fit in with me a little more. Uh, you know, African-American man. Of course, there are not that many men in general that do the support for caregivers. I think I saw a statistic that said 67 percent or something like that of the caregivers are women and all of the caregivers in this particular support group that I went to were women and not that I couldn't survive in an all woman support group, but I was the only black person as well. And so it was just, you know, and not that, you know, of course you go there for that, but it, you know, I I don't want to have anything else to think about if I'm trying to get some support, share stories and all of that. So if I could have a more diverse group of people there, I think I would just be more comfortable in that environment. And so um, currently still seeking a support group, but that is the number one thing they're saying. And you can do that virtually as well. Probably there are probably and I haven't found one. So perhaps you can hit me at dballer, D-I-B-A-W-L-E-R, dballer at gmail dot com. If you know of virtual support groups, if you know of a black male support group, the for people um, helping their parents or loved one 
with dementia or Alzheimer's. That would be interesting. And of course, as I'm thinking about that, maybe that's something that I should start if I'm not able to find one. But in either case, the number one is seeking support from other caregivers. And I know that that's one way to do it. Number two, take care of your own health. Absolutely. Again, that's something I say every week. And it is so vitally important, especially if you are the primary or even the secondary or tertiary caregiver. That is a huge component of your loved one's care. And so if your health goes down, if you have an emergency health issue that takes you out of pocket for caring for your loved one, who's going to step up? Who's going to be the person to fill the gap of all the work and all the energy that you're putting into this? So just to the maximum extent you can put your health as primary, like on the airplanes, put on your mask before you start to put on your loved one's mask or your children or people who need help with their mask. Because if your oxygen gets low, now you're falling out. And the kids are falling out because no one is there to help them with their mask because you didn't take care of your own health. So take care of your own health is number two. Accept offers of help. This is something that's generally probably difficult for a lot of people because it could be pride, could be privacy. You don't want a lot of people to know what's going on. So you're not even really in a position to ask for help. But if someone offers, you might feel like, yeah, I don't want to be a burden. It is a burden. And I don't want to share that burden on someone else or put that burden on someone else. For men, I was watching this video and they were just a group of caregivers, mostly women, of course, as is the case in one man. And the women were sharing how they, you know, get help from various places and all of that. And then when they got to the man, he said, I do it all myself. I don't have any help from anyone. And I'm like, that is a a male thing to say. And I'm guilty of that sometimes myself, just thinking I can handle it. I'm a man. I can take it. I can take on these responsibilities. And really that has nothing to do with anything. Um, That pride, wherever the source of it is, needs to be set aside. And if you are getting someone who's offering you help, Even if you can't think of a place where that help can be used immediately, you know, be gracious and thank the person and let them know if I can find a place where you can help, I will, you know, come back to you or whatever. But just don't say no right off the top. We do need all the help we can get. Learn how to communicate effectively with doctors. And this has been a real challenge for me because I personally don't really spend a lot of time going to the doctor. I know that's an issue. You just talked about taking care of your health and I am getting better at that. But that is certainly something that I've gotten better at for sure. Kind of doing research before taking mom to a doctor's visit. This last kind of wellness check that we just had a couple of weeks ago for her, my daughter and I went and my daughter actually went in the back, you know, with them and, but took a question that I wanted her to ask because we were curious about something. So definitely getting better at that and having more communication, even between visits with the doctor's office for, you know, different things. But that is something that you have to do. 
So be comfortable asking questions, things that you're curious about. Uh, if your loved one is taking medication, be mindful of what is happening with the impact of the medication so that you can share those things. Because really, if the doctor is only seeing your loved one once every six months or once every three months, they're not there as often as you are to observe really what's going on, particularly when there are changes, updates to the medication. So be prepared to go in and share that information and communicate and ask questions with your doctors. Caregiving is hard work, so take respite breaks. Yes, that's important. I think I've got a podcast out there about respite and taking breaks. Absolutely. As often as you can. Even if you have to pay someone to come in, if you can't get someone to relieve you, that is very important to take often respite breaks. Watch out for signs of depression. Yeah, we're not talking about signs of depression in your loved one. We're talking about signs of depression in you. There's a lot going on in the world. A lot of destruction and war and killing and all of that on the news, not to mention the pandemic can't see loved ones, can't hang with people perhaps like you used to do. And you're a caregiver now. So that even limits and restricts the time in which you're available to see people and visit with friends and family. So you could get depressed Seasonal affective disorder, if there's, you know, that if you're in Alaska where it's dark six months in the year and six months of light, depending on which part of Alaska, of course, you're in. All these things can contribute to a bout of depression. So be mindful of your own anxiety, your own emotional state. Maybe do a journal, do a video journal. This is something that I do just every once in a while, just kind of turn on my phone camera or my iPad camera and just talk about what I am feeling at the moment. Do that maybe once a month or so, just so that I have kind of a baseline of what's going on at any particular time. And I can even see changes in myself if there are changes. And I've had that period. I've had that period of darkness, no question about it where I, for the first time in my life, reached out to the employee assistance program where I work and got some counseling. So just so, so very important to look out for signs of depression and take action. Don't wait to get that addressed. Even if you're thinking again, you're strong. This is something you don't need. You're very spiritual and you can pray these demons away. Sure, pray. And also go to the doctor because if your leg was broken, you wouldn't just say a prayer and then try to walk around. You'd say a prayer on your way to the doctor's office. It's a doc. I pray that God guides your hands as you reset my broken bone. Right? So, I would say the same thing applies for your brain or your emotional state. If that is broken, yes, keep your faith, but also seek the medical attention if necessary. 
Very important. Number seven says, be open to new technologies. Yeah, absolutely. Especially if you are not that person, if you're the one that's really not into Venmo and Cash App and or you're listening to those and don't know what that is, then you're probably this person who's not really open to new technologies. You want to be open to new technologies. There might be things out there that can help in terms of the care for your loved one. You know, the security apparatus, cameras, uh, apps on the phone that might Either give ideas for things to do or actually be an activity that you can do to engage with your loved one. There's just a lot out there. So just be open to new technology and don't let the ah, that's for the young people or that's for something that, you know, I don't want to have to learn how to do blankety blank. Yeah, Be open to learning how to do blankety blank. Number eight, organize medical information. Yeah, that's so important. And I would say that for both for your loved one. Absolutely. Make sure that, you know, if there's insurance cards, Medicare cards, Medicaid information, things that you might need to change doctors to apply for a different program or whatever that is, have all of that information organized. Uh, they now have online portals where you can set up. Uh, you know, through a password protected account where the doctor makes all their notes, blood work, all that goes to the website and you log on. Very convenient. Actually ties into the last one of being open to technologies, but that helps you to organize medical information. And for yourself, I would say also do that again, just in case something happens to you health wise, your loved one can access, you know, information about your medical history and whatnot. Make sure legal documents are in order. Again, I would say this is for both for your loved one. Of course, if you need that power of attorney, if you need that health directive, those things are in order for your loved one. Social Security Administration. There's a podcast, maybe two back that talk about that here that's important, but also for you, what is your situation? If you go down again, uh, is your will in order? Do you have someone in mind in case you get sick and you die? Who's going to care for your loved one? Is there a place in your will that sets aside some money if that's going to be necessary, if you have those financial resources available? If not, are you able to identify just like when you're a children? If you have children were younger, you know, I thought about if I were in a car accident and both my kids, mother, their father, me and um, my ex were to be in a car accident and die at the same time. Who did I want to take care of them? Right. So you want to have that set out. So you want to lay out that information in terms of legal documents. And then number 10 says, give yourself credit for doing the best that you can do for one of the toughest jobs that there is. And that is so true. This is something that can easily just get missed in terms of how you've adjusted your life, how you've changed things around to take care of your loved one. And your loved one might not be in the place to appreciate all that you're doing. And other people may kind of just know yeah, I heard Matthew's been taking care of his mom, but they don't know what's involved with that. 
They don't know how much time it takes. They don't know, again, how it can lead to depression and these types of things. So you might have to pat yourself on the back. You might have to give yourself credit for all that you're doing and just take a moment to appreciate the good that you're bringing to the world. It's sometimes a thankless task, but I see you. And thank you for doing that for your loved one. And it all comes back. It's a karma cycle. So don't worry. You'll get your goodness returned tenfold, probably. Real quick, let's go over these 10 things that are on this list. Seek support from other caregivers. Take care of your own health. Number three, accept offers of help from others. Communicate effectively with doctors. Take respite breaks. Six, watch out for signs of depression. Be open to new technologies. Organize medical information. Legal documents. Make sure they're in order. And finally, give yourself credit for all the hard work that you're doing. That's it. Those are the 10 things, tips for caregivers. Hopefully there was something in there that just bing was an aha moment for you or something that could be helpful for you. I thank you for listening. Thank you for doing the work that you're doing. And as I always say, take care of your loved one for sure, but also take care of yourself until next week. I'm out. I'm out.